For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures I will arise and go forth to the house of my young I will arise and go forth to the house of my father I will arise and go forth to the house of my young House of my young Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject the Shema and the Unity of the Godhead. This is part two of the series. In the book, Plurality in the Godhead, or How Can Three Be One by Rabbi Zavi Nasi, published in 1863, he explains that the word Shema can mean to gather together or be united, and it is rendered this way in 1 Samuel. Rabbi Menachem of Rekanati, in his commentary on the Pentateuch, or the Torah, his words are these, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. This verse is the root of our faith, therefore Therefore, Moses records it after the Ten Commandments. The reason that there is said Jehovah or Yahweh, our God, in Jehovah or Yahweh is because the word Shema does not here signify here, but to gather together, to unite, as in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 4, where the word appears and it is rendered, Saul gathered together, or Shema, the people. The meaning implied is the inherent one ones, literally the implanted ones, are so united together that one in the other without end, they being the exalted God. From the book, The Middle Pillar by James Trim on pages 46 and 47, he goes on to explain how ahad in Hebrew means a unity. And examples of this comes from Genesis chapter 2 verse 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become echad, one flesh, a unity. Genesis chapter 11 verse 6. And Yahweh said, indeed the people are echad, one, and they all have one language, a unity. So now in John chapter 10 verses 30 through 33, Yeshua explains that he and his father are echad. They are a unity. I and my father are echad. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Yeshua answered them, Many good works have I shown you from my father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone you not, but for blasphemy, and because that you, being a man, make yourself God. We can see from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3, that Yeshua is Yahweh. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Yeshua a curse. 
Ghost, and that no man can say that Yeshua is Yahweh, but by the Ruach HaKodesh, or the Holy Spirit. And then also in Philippians in chapter 2, verse 11, and that every tongue should confess that Yeshua HaMashiach is Yahweh to the glory of God the Father. Now the reference here in Philippians chapter 2, verse 11, that Paul is explaining is connected to the Elenu prayer in the Jewish prayer book. And in the Elenu prayer, there's a quote or there's a reference to Isaiah in chapter 45 and verse 23. I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return that unto me, every knee shall bow and every tongue swear. So this is what Paul is explaining and he applies it to Yeshua here in Philippians in chapter 2, verse 11. But this comes from the Elenu prayer and from Isaiah in chapter 45 in verse 23. Now we're going to look at the Targums, which are the explanations or the commentaries on the Torah that were studied, especially in the first century. And we're going to look at Targums Onkelos and Jonathan Ben Uziel. And they are put in a book by Etheridge on page 5 where he explains that modern Jewish theologians in their wish to keep at the greatest distance from the doctrines of Christianity have diverged in some instances and this among them from the belief of their ancient predecessors. The Jewish people at the Christian epoch and for a long time after it though steadfast as any of their descendants in the doctrine of the divine unity were nevertheless habituated to the idea of a personal plurality in him whose name is Elohim. Now we're going to go through various scripture passages and focusing on the Torah passages and see how these verses are rendered in Targum Onkelos and Targum Jonathan Ben Uziel, which was widely studied in the first century. And what we're going to see is where the literal text says Yahweh or Yahweh Elohim, that Yahweh is rendered in these instances, which we're going to be reviewing as the word of Yahweh. For example, Genesis in chapter 3 and verse 8, what the text literally and directly says is, and they heard the voice of Yahweh Elohim walking in the garden in the cool of the day. But Targum Onkelos renders it this way. And they heard the voice of the word of Yahweh Elohim walking in the garden in the evening or the cool of the day. And then in Genesis in chapter 17 and verse 1, the text literally says, Now when Abram was 90 years old and nine, Yahweh appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am El Shaddai, Elohim, walk before me and be thou whole or complete. And so Targum Onkelos renders that I am El Shaddai. Serve before me and be whole or complete. Perfect. And I will set a covenant between my word and you. And I will multiply you exceedingly much. And that is quoting as well from Genesis chapter 17 verse 2. Now in Genesis in chapter 17 and verse 7, it literally says, and I will 
will establish my covenant between me and you and your seed after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto you and to your seed after you. Targum Onkelos renders the verse this way or explains it this way. And I will establish my covenant between my word and you. Well, based upon this understanding that the covenant was made between my word and you, this is how Paul writes in Galatians in chapter 3 and verse 16, which says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He says not seeds as of many, but as of one to thy seed, which is Messiah. So Targum Onkelos renders it that the covenant is made between my word in you. So Paul applies and understood that the word is Yeshua. Now Leviticus and in chapter 1 and verse 1, it literally says, And the Lord called unto Moses and spake unto him out of the tabernacle of the congregation, saying, But Targum Jonathan ben Uziel renders it this way, Then did the word of the Lord call unto Moses, and the word of the Lord spoke with him from the tabernacle of ordinance, saying, Then in Leviticus, in chapter 26, in verse 46, it says the following. These are the statutes and the judgments and the laws which the Lord made between him and the children of Israel and Mount Sinai by the hand of Moses. But in Targum, Jonathan ben Uziel, it is rendered this way. These are the statutes and the orders of the judgment and decrees of the law which the Lord appointed between my word and the sons of Israel in Mount Sinai by the hand of Moshe or Moses. So what is being shown here in the Targums and Targum Jonathan ben Uziel is the one giving the Torah is the word of God. And so this is what explained in the New Testament regarding Yeshua, where in Matthew chapter 1 verse 21, it is written, and she, referring to Mary, shall bring forth a son and you shall call his name in Hebrew. Hebrew Yeshua, for he shall save his people from their sins. And then in Luke, in chapter 2, in verse 11, it says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. So Yeshua saves his people from their sins. Yeshua is our Savior. And it is seen in the Targums that the one who gave the Torah at Mount Sinai is the Word of Yahweh. So now we look at James chapter 4 verse 12 where it says there is one lawgiver who is able to save. The one that is able to save is the lawgiver, the one that gave the Torah at Mount Sinai, which is the word of the Lord, which is Yeshua. Next, we can see from Targan Jonathan Ben Uziel that the word of the Lord is seen as being your king and your God. You have chosen the word of the Lord to be king over you this day, that he, the word of the Lord may be your God. Next, in looking at Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 24, the text literally says, For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. But the Targum to this verse in Targum Jonathan ben Uziel renders it this way, For the word of the Lord your God is a consuming fire. The jealous God is a fire and he venges himself in jealousy. So 
in looking at these examples, we see from the Targums where the literal text speaks about Yahweh Elohim, that it is understood and seen from the explanation in the Targums that it is the word of the Lord that is doing these things. And that being the case, now we have an explanation from the book on the Targums of Onkelos and Jonathan Ben Uziel on the Pentateuch by Etheridge on page 17, where he explains, taking these passages into consideration, it seems seems difficult to arrive at any other conclusion than that the doctrine of the Targum on this subject is the same as the beginning of the book of John, which says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Targum's Onkelos and Jonathan Ben Uziel are witnesses to such a belief or a faith existing in the pre-apostolic times. So what is it then that we have been showing you? We've been showing you this principle from the Zohar, volume 2, page 43, Amsterdam edition, that in the compound unity of Yahweh, it is seen that what one does, so does the other. That's why we see in the New Testament where in one place it refers to the spirit of the Father, and then at another place it refers to the spirit of the Son. It's in this principle or this concept that all the there are so many persons united in the unity, yet each person is a verity, a true one. What the one does, that does the other. Then in the book, Plurality in the Godhead, or How Can Three Be One by Rabbi Zavi Nasi, published in 1863, Rabbi Menachem Rekanati, his words are these. The reason why it is said unto you, it was shown that you may know that the Lord, he is God, Deuteronomy chapter chapter 4, verse 35, is the desire that you should not separate the inherent ones, the three persons united in the eternal. Although the attributes are spoken of in the plural, yet whatever attributes are in the one, those same attributes are also in the other. Now, in John chapter 5, verse 19, Yeshua explains that he only does what his father does. Then answered Yeshua and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do, for what things soever he does, these also does the Son likewise. John chapter 6, verse 46, Yeshua explained that he is of the Father. Not that any man has seen the Father, save he which is of God, he has seen the Father. Yeshua explained in John chapter 17, verse 8, that he came from the Father. For I have given unto them the words which you gave me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from you, and they have believed that you did send me. Yeshua explained in John chapter 16 verse 32, that the Father is with Yeshua. Behold, the hour comes, yea, is now come, that you shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone, and yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. 
Yeshua explained in John chapter 14, verses 8 and 9, that seeing Yeshua is seeing the Father. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it suffices us. Yeshua said unto him, Have I been so long with you, and yet have you not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And so how do you say then, show us the Father? Knowing Yeshua is knowing the Father. John chapter 14, verse 7. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth, you know him and have seen him. 1 John chapter 2, verse 23. Whosoever denies the Son, the same has not the Father. But he that acknowledges the Son has the Father also. It is explained in John chapter 10, verse 38. John chapter 14, verse 10, that Yeshua is in the Father and the Father is in Yeshua. But if I do, though you believe not me, believe the works, that you might know and believe that the Father is in me and I am in him. Believe thou not that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me, he does the works. John chapter 14, verse 11. John chapter 17, verse 21. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works sake, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. Yeshua explained that his teachings or his doctrine is from his Father. It is not his own. John chapter 7, verse 16. Yeshua answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. John chapter 8, verse 28. Then said Yeshua unto them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father has taught me, I speak these things. Yeshua does the will of his Father. John chapter 5, verse 30. I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. John chapter 6, verse 38. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. John chapter 8, verse 29. And he that sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. The will of the Father is to know the Son. John chapter 6, verse 45. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that is heard and is learned of the Father comes unto me. John chapter 17, verse 3. And this is life eternal, that they might know you, the only true God in Yeshua HaMashiach, whom you have sent. Yeshua is the image of the invisible God. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. We can see also how Yeshua is the image of the invisible God. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God, who at sundry times and diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Next, we're going to look at occurrences within the Hebrew language where there is not a consistency in grammar and as a result indicates or shows us that 
that Yahweh is a unity or a compound unity. From the book, The Middle Pillar by James Trim on page 12, he explains, one of the most controversial facts about the Bible is that the word that is used most often for God in the Hebrew usually appears in its plural form, Elohim. In the book, Plurality, in the Godhead or How Can Three Be One by Rabbi Zavi Nasi, published in 1863, he explains the meaning of Elohim in Hebrew. On opening my Bible, the very first sentence drew my mind forcibly into deep meditation. In the beginning, Elohim, he created. Grammatically, I cannot make he created, being in the singular, agree grammatically with Elohim in the plural. There must therefore be a logical agreement between the noun and the verb. At any rate, Elohim is a plural. In the book, Plurality in the Godhead, or How Can Three Be One by Rabbi Zavit Nasi, published in 1863, he gives various examples, and we will be looking at those scriptures where we have the case in which the subject and the predicate are both in the plural. He explains, there are not a few passages in the Holy Scriptures in which the adjective or the verb joined with Elohim is also in the plural. For example, Genesis chapter 20 verse 13, and it came to pass when Elohim, and it says in the Hebrew, they caused me to wander from my father's house. Genesis chapter 35 verse 7, because their Elohim, it says in the Hebrew, they appeared unto him. Joshua chapter 24 verse 19 Elohim holy ones he is a holy God so these verses are pointed out as well in the book the middle pillar by James Trim on page 12 he explains moreover while the term Elohim usually appears with singular verbs and adjectives on several occasions it appears with plural verbs and adjectives and we will refer to the same verses from the book by the rabbi in 1863. The first one, Genesis chapter 20, verse 13. And it came about when Elohim caused, plural, me to wander from the house of my father. Next, Genesis chapter 35, verse 7. And he built there an altar and called the place El Beit El, because there Elohim were revealed, plural, to him. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 7. For what great nation is there that has Elohim so near, plural, to it, as Yahweh our Elohim is to us. Joshua chapter 24 verse 19. You cannot serve Yahweh for he is a holy plural Elohim. Then 2 Samuel chapter 7 verse 23. The one nation on the earth whom Elohim went plural to redeem for himself as a people. Then in Psalm 58 verse 12. It's verse 11 in non-Jewish published texts. Surely he is Elohim who judges plural in the earth. Now we're going to look at Elohim in Hebrew with plural pronouns. And this as well was pointed out in the book, The Middle Pillar by James Trim, beginning on page 13. Furthermore, Elohim is referenced with plural pronouns as follows. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then Elohim said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Genesis chapter 3, verse 22. And Yahweh Elohim said, behold, the man has become like one from us. 
knowing good and evil. Genesis chapter 11 verse 7, come let us, Yahweh, go down and confuse their language. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 8, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 1, and here we have examples where Elohim is attributed to some type of plural nature, where it says, remember now your creators in the Hebrew, in the days of your youth. Then Daniel chapter 7 verse 9, well, that's going to conclude part two of the series on the subject, the Shema and the unity of the Godhead. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.